have a look at the, uh, or concluding 117 minutes of The Lost World, we have Jay back. Hello, Jay. What's up, guys? What's going on? Not a lot, I mean, a lot. We, uh... We're going to do a bit of a just a look back at the film um, on the whole. We sort of did a bit of a um, a film recap back with the 20th anniversary of the film. We sort of went through, but Jay, you had to uh, to leave halfway through that record, so there's a chance here for you to sort of cover some of the other things you didn't mention in that episode. Or it's been a while now. You've sort of probably seen the film a couple more times. Your ideas or thoughts might have changed. But uh, getting straight into the first topic here, we're going to discuss is. Uh, if we feel it was a natural progression from Jurassic Park, sort of going from Jurassic Park into this, um, I think as much as I want to try and keep the novel and film separate, we're, we're going to have to go into a bit of a novel talk here as well, just sort of how Crichton decided to write his sequel to Jurassic Park as a sequel to the novel and not to the film. Mm-hmm. And like reading that Lost World novel, there's not a lot... Well, there isn't really anything in that novel that sort of pulls from Jurassic Park, the film. It's all all sequel to his first novel. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, I do, I do think that both the novel and the film are perfect uh, progressions from their respective now uh, their respective predecessors. I think that the novel is a little clunkier and follows the formula a little bit more. Yep. Than the than the um, movie does the movie becomes essentially its own animal, which I think is fantastic. It's honestly feels like it is the best place to have gone after Jurassic Park. Definitely, mm. I completely agree with that. That's I think it's uh, the best sequel we've had. Yeah, and it's it's hard too because um, I know I know hearing some fans even. Um, Kyle and Brody had done the Jurassic Park minute was sort of when they were discussing um, the Lost World. They um, they were hoping more of a what we got with Fallen Kingdom, sort of returning to Jurassic Park, the ruins, and all that there. Now in the novel that couldn't have happened because of course New Blah was sort of bombed by Costa Rican government mm-hmm. at the end there. So in novel wise, um, you couldn't go back to New Blah unless, of course, as the tagline we got for the film, something has survived. Um, so having having Crichton sort of lead the way with uh, where the sequel is going to go, um, introducing the second island not too far away, where, as Malcolm says in the in the novel, you're uh, making dinosaurs isn't just a clear cut business. You're sort of like out of maybe a hundred eggs, five of them might survive. You need a large manufacturing space. Even going off Jurassic Park, the film, like we see one or two incubators with probably a dozen eggs, if that, where that sort of laboratory, it's all in one little contained space in the visitor centre. Whether or not there's more research areas on island that we just didn't see in the film, um, it's sort of hinted to in Jurassic World with that sign that Colin put in there instead of the East Dock sign, but it's sort of, it sort of made sense that, right, we're going to have this larger production area to populate a park. Like, they're making mm-hmm. a zoo here, not a, not a little uh, a four-animal exhibit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, well, even with that, um, with the, if you read the the novel uh, Evolution of Claire, which uh, I did a review on, um, it says that Jur- Jurassic World took the dinosaurs from from Sorna and then brought them back to um, Nublar. And Nublar has a facility of making dinosaurs there, but to fill up the park, they have to take some of those dinosaurs out. So Nublar just doesn't have the space or probably the facilities to 
to compensate for for that much of a factory floor, you know. Well, even so, time, just time to produce. Yeah. From from embryo to even all the mm-hmm. all the DNA extraction, all like yes, they had the supercomputers for filling in the sequence gaps and all that, like all that research they would have had to done before the park was even built. Like they had to have uh-huh. a concept and I think as we sort of talked before about Hammond and Wu going to Japanese investors with that win and in the novel it's a pygmy elephant where they could sit there and say uh-huh. well, we can do this sort of this sort of stuff but and it's one I was going to save it for the Fallen Kingdom review but it's one sort of thing that's a little bit iffy in that where the whole origins of what we get in Gen and everything else was in that lab under Lockwood's mansion where him and Hammond sort of worked in the beginning but you go to the novel and that's the whole reason they're in Costa Rica is to get away from US sanctions and all the uh, mm-hmm. the genetic research restrictions and all that sort of stuff that they were hiding from. They went to Costa Rica to hide from the world to do this research where in the films it's sort of, no, it's just a tropical resort location that we selected. Um, Hammond wanted something larger and grander than Jurassic Park San Diego. So we, mm-hmm. we we moved everything down there. So it's just it's yeah. just one of those one of those weird things. We're just trying to have to adapt the novel where you got so much information, and we talked about this um, before. I think with the Fallen Kingdom talk about just like having Mister DNA, a five minute um, little sort of video on the tour that sort of condenses three or four chapters from that first book of just how they done it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's. I don't know, I, I feel like uh, having that island is makes more sense, having a second island like that. Mm-hmm. So I think it was a it, it is a natural progression from Jurassic Park. I think Crichton went the right way with it. And I think even putting in the films, even though in the films Nublar was not destroyed, but having another island was just, it, it just, I don't know, it, it got me more intrigued when you started seeing merchandise and stickers and stuff with something has survived, there's another island with dinosaurs they're roaming free there's no fences this time you know all that type of stuff gets your mind just whoa, whoa what's going on you know yeah. you're you're so used to such a confined space kind of situation when you get in jurassic park that's what i feel made me love lost world so much more because it's their world basically that we were going into um jurassic park when we when we go into jurassic park we're controlling it or we have this conceptual idea that we're actually having control over everything, but you Lost never have World, the control. That's the illusion. No, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's you have that illusion when you walk in there and you see these buildings, you see the electrified fence, you see, uh, you know, all this, all these like dinosaur like handlers and all that. So you have this illusion in your head where you're like, oh well, they, this is a space where they're being controlled. They have their spaces. They have this. Once it, they all break free, it's a little different. But when just knowing that there's an island where they're free all the time, basically, and the ones that are being confined and being controlled to this little space are the humans, hmm. is is such a great concept. And I just felt like Lost World took that and just like what they showed us was great. Just seeing the animals in a natural habitat was one of the things I loved most about the film and how it showed... Like that, these animals. Well, one thing that I really loved as well was the fact that they showed these animals were they nurtured their young. Mm. You know, if they weren't these cold-blooded lizards that would just eat their babies or leave them out to like grow on their own or whatever, 
They showed a stegosaur herd family with a baby. They showed the T-Rexes really caring about their son. You know, so it's like all this together is such a different aspect from the first film where they're all where it's all manufactured. Even though these ones were manufactured as well, this one is showing them more in their natural habitat and as animals living on their own, doing their own thing. Like we had nothing to do with it, basically, almost. And the other one is pretty much like this is what we've created. Check it out. It's in a it's in a fenced area. Look at it. You know, mm. the other one's more like that's nature. Send National Geographic down there. Yeah, they've had four <laughs> the first years. Ones, they've had four years yeah. to just survive on their own. They're flourishing. And nature took over, and it's it's so great to see that, and it it makes more sense too with what Malcolm's been saying the entire time in the first film that life finds a way, and you know. Oh, every nature will take take course. You can do whatever you want, but nature's gonna do what it's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And Lost World is the proof of that. Jurassic Park is just the beginning of that. It's just the the idea, like yeah, it's gonna happen. Check this out. This is what's going on now. But like, Lost World is this is what it was supposed to happen the entire time. This is them. This is their world. And that's yeah. why the only reason is because it was on that island. It's not been expanded. They weren't out in our world. But basically, the moment they step off that boat, they have no control whatsoever. They are the strangers, the visitors, and it's it's great. So I think film and book-wise, complete natural progression. That's why I say it is the natural and best sequel in the series to Jurassic Park. Yeah. That's my opinion, but... Yeah, no, I definitely agree uh, there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the idea of, of Sorna itself is what really has always intrigued me about the Lost World. Period. So mysterious. Exactly that it, it's this island where it has so many secrets hidden inside of it. I mean, you look mm-hmm. at the, just take a look at the uh, worker village. You just look at it and you're like, what happened here? What was the mm-hmm. daily life? We have so many secrets behind that worker village that. I mean, you can only mapping it as I did. It can only teach you so much about it, you know. I mean, there's mm-hmm. things there's, that I'll always ask about it, and um, when I think about the other things, like what's behind the rock, what's behind that tree. Mm-hmm. I mean, The Lost World is such a mysterious movie, but it also offers a lot of ex- exposition, and I think that's something that the novel did really well with is taking the um exposition and not just justifying its existence but saying but retroactively saying that Jurassic Park was unfinished that it had to have these huge yields to create just one adult specimen you know mm-hmm sorry I'm finished <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a bit, yeah yeah and that's yeah and it's sort of one of the things just to briefly dip the toe into Jurassic Park 3, like, again, it just... I know I know. there's a lot of people that go, well, how come... I know there's even some people that think that we're back at the worker village when Grant and that find the lab, but that aside, it's sort of... Um, just, you're seeing more parts of the island that you didn't see in the previous film. You know it's the same island, or well, you're back on the same island. It just shows how big it is, and it sort of, again, sort uh-huh. of gives you little tidbits about what InGen was doing, doing there. It was... And and what else? What else is there? Like, 
Yeah, it was the experimental island. It was mm. where they were like, what can we create? What can we make? You know, and mm. even though I'm not a big fan of JP3, it ex, ex, you know expanded on that when they were like, that wasn't on Ingen's list. You know, yeah. like it makes yeah. you start. That's where the like we were already introduced to the mystery of Sorna in Lost World, and then it expanded on it in JP3. It mm. just sucks that that movie's not that great. But um, <laughs> yeah. that's just the thing, you know, like. I, it's I don't know, man. <laughs> Lost for words. I just, I just it's just perfect to me how it went from Jurassic Park to Lost World, and then kind of lost its way after that. I think, but yeah. yep. you know, and even the um, uh, what was I going to say? The um, sort of pulling. Oh no, it was more Jurassic Land with um, with the park, the failing of the park and life will find a way in that it's sort of much like Mr. DNA how you're pulling several chapters or a few chapters into this one little thing the whole Nedry being the reason the park falls or why the whole thing sort of goes up in a cloud of smoke um, in the novel you're sort of pulling three or four different plot points together and making it just mm-hmm. Nedry in the film where the novel you've got well they weren't they were only scanning for a certain amount of animals you had raptors on the boat trying to leave you had all these That's, other yeah, all that. these other things coming in, um, even sort of the sick triceratops or stegosaur in the novel, where they got no idea what's wrong with it. <laughs> they have sort of done their best at looking at what's wrong with it, but they just got no idea because and I'm pretty sure Mal- Malcolm sort of grills Arnold or Hammond about that in the novel. It's like you, you, you're here making these things, but you got no idea how to care for them or how to look after them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He mentioned that the uh, Stegosaurus was breathing heavily just because the oxygen levels were so much higher than they were back in, in mm. the Jurassic period, you know? Yep. And his mm-hmm. lungs physically just were not made to take in that much oxygen. Mm. Yeah, because there's a lot more methane and CO2 in the air back then than what there was now. Like, they've done ice core samples and that. But... Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, anything else? Anything else on sort of the natural progression you want to bring up before we get into the next topic? Uh, I think I'm alright. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I do agree. Like, sort of across the franchise, going from film to film, even just sort of Jurassic Park into Lost World, Lost World into JP3, um, and then you can sort of have the World series, Jurassic World into Fallen Kingdom. Um, that sort of Jurassic World into Fallen Kingdom is pretty much well, is much the same where again you have you you sort of at the end of Jurassic World you've left the park um, granted you do to get that final scene of the Tyrannosaur that we don't get all we get in Jurassic Park is sort of Hammond looking back from the helipad and the Brachiosaurus trumpeting in a distance which again is another one of those <laughs> heartstring pullers but uh, mm-hmm. you sort of that's all you get then then the film's over whether again not knowing how it was going to do sequels in mind or anything else so yeah, I, I do. I do think it's one of the better progressions between just between the films in general, um, let alone sequels. But after the accident in the park, Hurricane Carissa wiped out our facility on Site B. Call it a, an act of God. Life will find a way, as you once so eloquently put it. Going up next, uh, favorite characters. I suppose we talked briefly about the people going to uh, sauna and not having any idea. I'll bring up Malcolm first, coming back, being the one returning, or the main um, returning character from Jurassic Park. 
it's sort of funny. It's much like um, when the Kirby's get Grant to sauna and like you've been here, you've seen all this, and he's gone, no, I've never been this on. It's it's not discussed, but Malcolm's sort of the same. Where you've got you've got this character coming back. Hammond wants him to go to the island with this team to uh, document the animals. And the only real animals he's seen, he's seen the Brachiosaur in Jurassic Park, he was chased by the T-Rex, and then he was in the bunker for the rest of the film. <laughs> we we, dis- we discussed it during the minute with the long grass, where he hears the raptors and like run as fast as you can. That's the first time he's interacting with raptors. <laughs> uh, one thing I do have to say about the Ian Malcolm character is the idea that... Um that this was this character who was always was always Crichton's uh, what, what's uh, conscience I guess you could call him yep uh, he was and that's kind of the primary reason he's brought back for the Lost World novel but something that something that he became in the movie was this kind of witty cynic and something that they say, a lot of people say they missed from the first movie is Malcolm's kind of dry wit. But mm. if you look at uh, the, the character in The Lost World, he still has that same wit. It's just a lot drier. Yeah. It's a lot more of a dry, sarcastic wit. And I think I like that uh, wit better than the kind of goofball wit that he mm-hmm. displays in the first movie. Where he's kind of just slapping his knees and humming to himself and laughing like a maniac, I suppose, in the helicopter. And I like how he becomes, he takes on this, in The Lost World, he takes on this role of the hero, not because he wants to, but because he needs to. And it's, and I like that he, he's still not so much a hero, he's just prevent trying to stop the the bad guy's from succeeding, which I mean, I suppose if you want to call that the hero, you can. But I mean, it's almost—he's not really an anti-hero, but I would say he's more of a protagonist in the movie than anything. He's like the one true protagonist in the Lost World. Yeah, yeah. I suppose you can sort of to bring in the Star Wars comparisons. Um, one thing the original trilogy fans like about it is you've got Han Solo there. That's sort of that sarcastic character where you got people talking about plot and that he's like really <laughs> is this a thing and all that and it sort of seems the same here where you've got Malcolm on the island it's like what do you think you're going to document what do you think you're going to see and mm-hmm. all the way through the film where yes okay he hasn't been there but he's the one that's experienced it and sort of knows how things are going to happen more so from his experience with Jurassic Park than the whole chaos thing but um, yeah it's just interesting to see him come back and um, sort of be this changed character. He's he he survived his injury in Costa Rica. He he tried to go public with it and was um, made into a laughing stock by Ingen. Yeah, and people don't realize that's what's going to happen. I mean, that's you kind of lose your naivety after. I won't say innocence because I mean, I don't know. Why. I mean, I just won't say it. Um, but you he he wasn't really a naive character. He was the character who actually knew who was everything that was going to happen before it actually happened. But you do lose... Maybe the innocence is the better word. You lose this kind of... You lose this kind of... Your edge is kind of dulled a bit after you've been through war. You know? I yeah. guess mm-hmm. is the best. <laughs> no, that's that's a that's a good point. 
That's and that's what people seem to not understand when they uh when they question his characterization in the movie and they keep asking, <laughs> "Where's the funny, Malcolm? Where where's <laughs> the jokes? Like, are you really gonna be that joking and and funny and whatnot when n- not only did you almost lose your leg, but you almost lost your life? Mm. You've seen people put in danger. You knew." You know that a couple of people that you met that day didn't go in that helicopter with you. You know, I don't think you're going to go into a situation the same way and be like, all right, time to make jokes. I can't wait to see these dinosaurs again. I can't wait to get my leg almost ripped off and, and see some of these other uh, <laughs> friends of mine. Oh, my girlfriend's on the island alone? Oh, that's nice. We can have our honeymoon there. That's that's great. <laughs> you know, you're not going to go in like that. Yeah. I, and that's the one nitpick that lots of people have. Oh, Malcolm's not the same. If he was the same, it would just make the it would just be bad writing. It, it mm. just it you know what I mean. It would not work. It's not a progression of his character arc. You know, he has a character arc. You know, in the beginning of the movie, he's the one making all the jokes in, in Jurassic Park. But he, at the same time, he's the one foreshadowing and warning everybody what's going to happen. Once it happens and he's injured, he's the one pretty much saying, like, I told you so. This is what's going to happen. I told you mm-hmm. it's going to happen. In the next movie, he's he's the one goes in there, tries to save, goes in there already with this, like, notion in his head where, oh, my God, what else can go wrong? Because I know what's going to go wrong. It, just like in the beginning, he says it. Ooh, ah, it's all... <laughs> and then there's screaming and you know he's like <laughs> and he's right and he's absolutely right about it and you know, i mean he goes from uh, uh this this type of character that everybody seems to want to be the comical character and they don't understand that characters change through move through yeah. different movies and so it's almost like the um the choice they made with grant in dress park free sort of as well so just having that psd mm-hmm. and having having a character affected by what he went through in the previous film he, like he's sort of the whole discussion between him and Ludlow at the start sort of also makes you or lets you know where he is now in his life sort of he's he's been disgraced his his goal was to um to let people know that Ingen had done this and yeah he'd just been made a laughing stock mm-hmm. I suppose we're not going to go we're not going to go through characters one by one otherwise we'll be here for <laughs> another six hours but um any characters you want to bring up or discuss I think I just mentioned um, Sarah Harding briefly and Julianne Moore. Where I, where I love Ju- uh, where I love Julianne, it's just sort of I would have preferred more of a novel based Sarah, just more of that bit more action action based. Even though they take away a lot of that stuff in the film with what she done in the novel, but she does sort of get well running through the Kiln House and all that, so she does get a couple of action set pieces. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of issues mid film with. Uh, blood on jacket and <laughs> all that sort of thing but that's yeah, that's yeah. just plot for the sake of plot they needed a way of the for the tyrannosaurs to keep following them um but um like eddie too sort of eddie being one of those nice all-around characters and then being pulled in twine by the two tyrannosaurs just <laughs> yeah that's actually uh one of the other topics <laughs> it would be like oh radio. <laughs> Yeah, um, I love Vince Vaughn in here as well. It's one character I'd love to see come back, and especially with Fallen Kingdom, I would have loved to see him either on the DPG or involved there somewhere. It would have been a, a, probably one of the easier ways for a character return from the past films, with not yeah, so much definitely. Not, yeah, not so much either retconning or 
um, having to make up a good reason why he'd be back. He's he's, no, he's a environmental terrorist. <laughs> yeah. It would have been perfect to be uh, like part of that group already on the island setting stuff off. Yeah. Yep. You know, it's just uh, missed opportunities. Mm. Yep. Um, I guess another character that we we should bring up before we move to um, to another topic is uh, Roland Tembo. Yep. Oh, he's my favorite now. Yeah. He is. Oh man, he's one of the one of the best characters I think in the in the series that they it, the the hunter, the philosophical hunter. He's mm-hmm. he's great, and the actor uh, Pete Postlewaite, mm. amazing. He's just a phenomenal actor as it is. And he took on that role and he ran with it, man. He's like, he is, um, him and Malcolm, you know, Malcolm, because we, it, it's just, Malcolm's just a very likable and fair, he is my favorite character, yes. But Roland's just like a character from that movie that's super memorable. You know him. And I, I just love his last scene where he's like, I think I spent enough time in the company of death. I was like, yeah. oh. Because yeah. yeah, it's giving me goosebumps right now. Like, <laughs> I love that line. And he's just sitting there, and he had. How badass is it that he's sitting there next to a sleeping T Rex? Like, that thing can wake up any minute, and he's just sitting there. He's just like. <sighs> His mind's on RJ not making it. It's, it he's not even thinking That's about true. it. That's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's true, but still. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I think I'd. I'd be sad about something, but I'd be sitting at the tree across from the T-Rex. <laughs> it's, it's one of those things with, um, you can sort of, in comparison with sort of um, Sam McKellen and Patrick Stewart as well, just these classically trained theatre actors that, okay, Pete Postlethwaite might not have done as many high, like big franchise films as what um, the other two, or projects as what the other two have done, but... Just, just the presence on screen, like we talked about when we first meet him in that jeep talking down to Ludlow, <laughs> and he's the whole dialogue or monologue he has there, and um, how it sort of you don't need the Mubasa fight scene that was deleted because he sort of shows how much of a badass he is in that car, well, in that jeep, telling Ludlow he can set up <laughs> his base camp wherever he wants, um, and then he's just he's, yeah. he's just here to hunt the Tyrannosaur, male buck only. He's, he does want to be paid. He wants that thrill of the hunt again that he's sort of missed mm-hmm. out on. It's great, great character. Yep. I suppose looking at the kid Kelly, Kelly coming in as the uh, the child point of view. I don't, I don't think that she's. Um, well, a lot of the stuff, a lot of the major set pieces, she's not even there. She's not there when um, with the yeah. trails going over the cliff. She's sort of in the high hide the whole time. The stegosaur scene, she's not there. Once, once they start go, trekking towards the. Uh, Worker village she is, but even then she sort of has a little scene at the end in the uh, in the kiln house and then is gone again for the rest of the film. Whereas you sort of compare to Tim and Lex, where they're there in the thick of it for most of it. Even Eric at the, at the end too, where he's getting picked up by the Pteranodons and that. Part of a couple of scenes there. But I know there's, there's a lot of hate for the gymnastics scene. <laughs> I understand that, but um, it's sort of set up at the start of the film that that's what's going to happen and foreshadows it a little bit but and I suppose Ludlow too being that the villain again much like Wells and that in Fallen Kingdom where you just have that money 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 he sees that yeah, T-Rex and just dollar villain. signs <laughs> yeah he was a good villain he had a, a good motive to what he was doing mm. and 
I felt he was a very uh, snaky type character, especially that line where he says, uh, "This suit costs more than your education." That's, <laughs> when you hear you hear him say that, you're just like, "Ugh, yeah. you're off," you know, oh. you jerk. It's at that point you go, right, how are you going out? There's no way you're surviving the end of this film. Nope. Nope. Ludlow is the kind of character you'd love to hate. Just because, mm-hmm. I mean, he's like the Dolores Umbridge of the um, Jurassic Park franchise. Just because he's just such an ass to everybody. You know, he's incompetent. He's a jerk. He's just, I mean, you'd love to hate him. Mm. He's easily dislikable. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And it's sort of one of those sort of jumping back to natural progressions where in, in Jurassic Park, yeah, you could say Nedry's the bad guy in that, but only because of his actions. It's not really... It, again, it's greed, it's money. He's doing this because he wants money, but in that film, really, the villains, the Tyrannosaur and the Raptors at the end, mm-hmm. where the survivors are trying to escape from, and then as soon as we go into the Lost World... Um, novel you got Bison coming back and Dodson having a major role on Island there but here you saw Rodeo we're going to um, bring in a new head of InGen he's going to be there he wants profits he's uh, representing the board and everything else um, and then in Jurassic Park 3 it sort of disappears again we're going back to okay well we've got the Raptors as the uh, main antagonist here we do have the mercenaries but they don't really hang around for very long and they're just mercenaries <laughs> Yeah, Cooper hits yeah. Grant in the back of the head, but it's um it's not really villainous. So, yeah. any of the other characters you want to bring up before we move on? Um, like they all they all sort of they all serve their purpose. Dita, mm-hmm. it's sort of again it's not really flushed out in the in the scripts. It sort of is where it's more of a he's more sort of that guy that's mistreating the animals and sort of like um, Wheatley in Fallen Kingdom. He's just sort of you want him to get his comeuppance. But it's not really spelled out that much in the film itself. He's just apparently second in charge to Roland, and he um, he's a drinking or something when and doesn't notice Nick and Sarah letting all the animals go, and he's pretty much putting the the shit list after that or the, the naughty corner, and then taken out by the compies. Yeah, it's <laughs> um, such a good scene. Mm. Peter. If you want me to run your little camping trip, there are two conditions. Firstly, I'm in charge, and when I'm not around, Dieter is. All you need to do is sign the checks, tell us we're doing a good job, and open your case of scotch when we have a good day. Second condition, my fee. You can keep it. All I want in exchange for my services is the right to hunt one of the tyrannosaurs. A male, a buck only. How and why are my business? Now, if you don't like either of those two conditions, you're on your own. So go ahead, set up base camp right here, or in a swamp, or in the middle of a wreck's nest, for all I care. But I've been on too many safaris with rich dentists to listen to any more suicidal ideas. Okay. Okay. All right. Favorite scene or set piece? Um, I think Trailers. We talked, yeah, I think we, when we done the discussion, <laughs> I don't know if you're still on then, but I, I, I definitely said the trail sequence. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, the, the rundown <laughs> sequence is pretty good too. Which one? Uh, like uh, the stampede rundown when they're trying to yeah. run down game trail. There you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a great sequence. Well, it's that yeah, one. one of my favorites. Yeah. I have to say, I think my favorite set piece or scene in general is the Tyrannosaurus crashing of a party there. 
at the at the um, uh, when they crash into the uh, camp there at the ridge. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Just I mean, uh, the build up, the build up to it where the bolt where the mm. male T Rex is kind of cornered uh, Kelly and Sarah in the tent. Mm-hmm. So uh, all the way to the end where Roland shoots the Rex. I mean, it's it's perfect, you know. It's yeah. it, that is Lost World to me. Yep. Another yeah, scene. It's, it's that perfect build-up where you've got just the footsteps. It's going back to Jurassic Park. You got that boom, boom, boom. You've got Sir, mm-hmm. waking Sarah in the tent, looking up, realizing what it is, looking up at the jacket above her. It's still got blood on it, even though they've walked through night with a heavy rainstorm. But you've got Malcolm in the creek backing up and walking and seeing the ripples in the water. He knows what's coming. And then just that silhouette of the Trenosaur on the tent. It's <laughs> just, oh, crap. Mm-hmm. And not only one, then the, the female comes out of left field as well while um, Ludlow's trying, uh, while Roland's trying to get his gun to work. <laughs> it's, it's fantastic. Jay, you had another yeah, scene you uh, talked about? I'm just going to say two words. Long grass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is a amazing scene. Like, you know, when you really think about it, there's so many great set pieces and scenes in this movie. It's mm-hmm. like uh, we could pretty just list them all day. Because yeah. that grass, the high, the long grass scene, don't get into the long grass. And then there's just like rolling in there. And then little by little, you just hear the snarls of the raptors. And like some of them start noticing, like, hey, where's the other guy? There's a guy behind me. And, oh, boom, there's another one. You see the tail. And, oh, no, we're getting eaten. And bam, raptor there, raptor there. Like, in that scene, there's, like, ten kills. It's so great. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And, like, it's... just seeing the raptors hunt. And they take down, mm-hmm. they take down like, a quarter or a third of that group before the one at the oh. front finally makes itself seen which makes them all turn around and run back towards where the other ones are. <laughs> and then mm-hmm. and then just and when Ian and crew come running out and it's like what the hell's going on here and you can hear you can hear the screams like people screaming in the in the background off in the distance oh, yeah. in the jungle somewhere you can hear the shrill screams of the raptors as well as they're chasing people it's just it's just eerie yeah. the way it sort of just drifts drifts through the jungle and over the grass. And you know what's what what's crazy too is that Malcolm never saw them. He, yeah. he only saw a baby, and then he kind of saw flashes of them, but he heard their sounds clearly when they were eating that, that steer. So when he – you notice he's like – he like comes closer to the camera, and he's just like uh, – he's like, what? What's going on? And then he's like – and then you just hear yeah. the purr, yeah. and he's like, run. Because he knew what they were, and he knew what Muldoon said about them. He knew what Alan t- uh, Who knows the conversations they had inside the Explorer that we didn't hear? You know, mm-hmm. if we're go- not looking at this as a movie perspective, but looking at it as, like, real life, like, they probably talked for hours in that car. Yeah. So who knows if he's like, oh, what do you what do you really study? I study Velociraptors. Yeah, yeah. You know that little baby that we saw? Oh, yeah, that thing? Oh, it's, it was cute. It's cute now. Wait till it gets older. You know, yeah. like... Yep. So he's he's probably full like has full info in his head of what they're about to deal with, and he knows that like the T Rex is big, they can see it, you know. Uh, I mean, it's they were able to outrun that one or whatever because of the group, whatever. But a Velociraptor, he he probably in his head in that moment he just heard Muldoon like saying how many miles an hour it can run, and it's just like oh that's it, we got to get out of here. 
Yeah. Plus, you don't know you don't know what sort of group therapy or anything discussion between him, Grant, the kids after Jurassic Park either. Like, oh yeah. Whether whether those therapy sessions, whether they will again going back to the novel, they all ended up back in Costa Rica in a hotel room for a couple of weeks while Costa Rica were working working out what to do with them after Hammond's death, and no one really being in charge of InGen at that time. But Mm -hmm. yeah, it's just it's just one of those things. I suppose um, oh, yeah. the other one too. And it's the one. It's a set piece we probably talked the most about in the uh, in the in the minute run, and even had a couple of bonus episodes. Just the worker village se- sequence from when sort of Nick runs in there and gives us our first look at it, then all the way up until they leave in the helicopter. Just again having the raptors in there, using mm-hmm. using that physical set and that large set area. Um, how much detail and that and work went into it for stuff that wasn't even filmed. And yeah, just fantastic the way it all sort of plays out in there. And again, just that mysteriousness of it. It's sort of, as you, as you said before, Sauna being back with all these uh, animals released on their own, no human interference. Well, here's our one little sort of look at what the uh, human interference used to look like. Yeah. And yeah, as you said, we could, we could go through and name, <laughs> name most of them. Mm-hmm. Careful. This suit costs more than your education. Right, this is all very thrilling, but I say we should push on to the village. Favourite death, Jay. Who's your, uh, what's your best kill, favourite kill of the film? Uh, my best kill, the best kill has to be the Carter one. Hell no, Eddie Carr, dude! <laughs> <laughs> it's still, like, one of the most memorable deaths in the entire franchise. And you know what's the, one of the best things about it, too? Or, I guess, worst things? worst thing about it is that the guy actually was trying to help them out you know yeah. i mean it was he wasn't a villain he wasn't this he wasn't that he was actually trying to help out his friends from falling off a cliff and the t- t-rexes ate him savagely he died savagely and then it goes this type of argument can go into what people are arguing with the jurassic world when that zara chick got eaten by the mosasaur and they're like, oh, that was such a savage death. Um, Eddie Carr was a good guy. He tried to help out people from dying. But it doesn't matter. These dinosaurs don't choose you just because you were bad to another human. You're a piece of meat. They're going to eat you, and that's it. So, you know I mean, this was a great showing of, like, nature doesn't care if you're a great guy. And karma's not real in the world of Jurassic Park. You're dead. Like... <laughs> It was such an awful death. And well, yeah, and just the, again, build up like he's in that M class, sort of trying to help, and they're just ripping that thing apart, and he's trying to get to the gun, he can't get it, stuck mm-hmm. in that fish net, and he just <laughs> he knows it's coming, he just can't it's, can't get away from it. You can't hide. Funny, There's nothing you can do. And it's funny too because like a situation where you're that nervous, you can make a simple mistake just like he did. All he needed to do was move the net. Moved a little part of the, the uh, of the gun, and that's it. But he was so nervous and so like in, because he has two huge dinosaurs. Remember that scene? He just looks. The dinosaur just, uh, the T Rex just looks at him, and he sees how big those teeth really are. <laughs> the face, like, uh, I don't know the actor's name that plays Eddie, but Eddie just look at the perfect facial expression of like, oh my god. Look at those teeth. You know, like, he's, he knows, like, if he gets, 
that's it. Like, there's no way out of it. You're going to die. So he just kept – and he kept pressing the pedal too. He could have easily tried to, like, get somewhere and try to run or something, but he still was trying to help as much as he could, knowing that his end was right there. Yeah. Such a great scene. Such – like, we got to give, like, good merits to that character in the film itself because it's like he could have easily just been like, no, nope, I'm good, kind of like the lawyer, you know. <laughs> just be like i'm out whatever don't care but he was actually the complete opposite he's like i know i'm gonna die but i'm gonna help them as much as i can get this situation rectified yeah no it's my favorite as well just yeah it's everything you've said um like we discussed in the minute too when we brought when we looked at that in the in the final death just yeah he was pulled in half but he was probably still alive or still conscious oh, yeah. when he was swallowed so just yeah, brutal. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I would have to say mine was Dieter's. I mean, you, I mean, sure, being chomped and pulled in half is pretty bad. But I mean, the minute that he was pretty much uh, chomped down that second time after he was swung around, he was dead. He didn't, yeah. he didn't feel being pulled in half. Yeah. Dieter felt every single little peck that those cops <laughs> did. He was literally it was like death by. A thousand paper cuts. Is pretty much what it was. <laughs> I mean, he was eaten alive by bite by bite, and all they left of him was the parts they didn't like, which I presume was the clothes and bones. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and even the, the sort of the realness to it, like, yeah, getting pulled in half, all that would have hurt for a little bit before you just your brain's screaming and you can't feel anything, but. Even just some of the visuals leading up to Dita's demise of just having the compi attached to his lip. Like, you've seen YouTube videos and whatever else of ducks and geese when someone's holding and all of a sudden they just bite their nose or bite the area or lip. And it just, just had, if you know what that feels like, it just, he's there, he's got the compi hanging off his lip and he just rips it away. Um, well, mm-hmm. And that is also a perfect representation of something I love about Sorna. Isla Nublar was the beauty of a tropical island. It's you got you can't deny it. it's a they pick some absolutely beautiful locations for the first Jurassic Park movie. But yep. the Lost World is the deadly side of a tropical island. The idea of being lost in the woods and not finding your way back. The idea of that you if you take one false step you tumble down a hill, break your leg and get eaten. Mm. You know? And the muggy and the fog and and just like the mud and it's the the whole like scenery just mm-hmm. it's just complete opposite to, of what we saw in Nublar you know yeah. exactly, I think the yeah. the only ugly part of Nublar that we saw was kind of when it was raining and, and Nedry fell down those like uh, <laughs> those are like like muddy stairs or whatnot and that's about it you know what I mean what? but that's just because of the rain yeah, yeah. <laughs> hear you <laughs> in Lost World everything's just like grimy and and just like dirty you know it's just yeah. you get this like icky feeling that like you got you don't know what you're doing here yeah. and um <laughs> stark uh, dater stark really uh <laughs> felt that one <laughs> yeah and like you mentioned it back when we we're talking when we we're in the redwoods dave just the environment inside those redwoods how it's close <laughs> the atmosphere the, the sort of the mist and that in the morning or late afternoon just how it's sort of being on location just the just the way it sort of comes across on film, which is fantastic. Yeah, uh, well, something that I and I brought this up um, in there in the minute with the 
where they take that five minute break is there's a stark contrast to the way the film the redwoods are actually filmed between the first time we see them and the last time we see them and the fact that the first time we see them they're beautiful the sun's shining through you can hear birds singing in the background the second time you see them they're very foggy it's overcast and you can't hear any other wildlife around mm. yeah yep uh, very good we could uh, head back down to the lagoon and do what sit out in the open next to a, a heavily used water source and, and hope that your captain decides to come back for you. No, he won't do that he knows better then we head for the village we might find some shelter and we can call for help Rex just fed, so he won't stalk us for food. Just fed? I assume you're talking about Eddie. You might show a little respect. The man saved our lives by giving his. Then his troubles are over. My point is that predators don't hunt when they're not hungry. No, only humans do. Oh, you're breaking our hearts. Saddle up. Let's get this movable feast underway. Second to last one here. Um, we've all read the novels. Is there anything from the novel that you wish made it into the film? Um, we do. We do have some sort of things that were adapted high hide that sort of stuff we didn't get a high hide set piece like we did in the novel but um david anything from the novel that you really wish made it to the film um, this is gonna uh two things really for the first is really gonna tie more into jurassic park 3 i wish we had gotten more of the lab in jurassic park 3 i really do the whole movie itself was like jurassic park on speed but seeing that lab <laughs> for the rest of the just would have been more beautiful. I love that sequence from the novel. You know? Uh, and then the one is the raptor's nest. I love the uh, the raptor's nest set piece from the novel. The idea of them floating the Apatosaurus down into this dried up riverbed and the carcasses strewn all over the place and the uh, babies kind of fighting fighting the adults for any kind of scraps of meat. Yeah, it's yeah. a great it's a scene and it's shows how chaotic and disgusting the raptors can be. Oh yeah. yeah. It's a shame we didn't get some even some empty nests or something in the boneyard or that before they get to the worker village. We've seen just kind of some bones. Was, yeah, it was set up it was set up yeah. for that being the raptor nest in the film, but we just it mm-hmm. wasn't there. We know they're in the area. Hammond says they nest in the in the middle of the island there, so yeah. Like, uh, um, it's another, uh, I actually would have loved to have, have that whole, uh, Dotson scene with, um, with those, uh, that machine that they had with, with like the sound mm. for the, for the, for the Rexes. Yep. Riding mm. the, uh, the animal's nests and stealing the eggs. Yeah. Yeah. That thing. Um, and when it like starts like, uh. Well, we get some of those scenes in other movies trickled out, like um, the arm thing, I guess, would be what we saw in Fallen Kingdom. Yeah. Was it Basilton that gets his arm taken? I haven't read the book in a uh, long time. Yeah, that's <laughs> specifics. One of the party think, does. Yeah. It's, it's been, um, I think, like three years since I read yeah. it. Um. But in a, just having just the mention of Biosyn would have been great to like finally mm-hmm. put them in the the movie universe. Mm. Um, but I don't know. I, I honestly like uh, that's a good scene that Dave said something like that. But then I guess they used 
Actually, so no, wait. So some of that stuff the DX is, virus. used. Oh, the DX virus, yes. That definitely needs to be made uh, into some future Jurassic material. Yeah. I think this. Uh, I think they might use it for the next one, maybe. It, it might. It's like their only... Well, I don't know, man. I don't know what they're honestly going to do, but DX virus should surface somehow. You know, yeah. I thought it was when you when like you there was like a like behind the scenes little uh, video and Scal I think it's Scallon or Scallon is the guy that like did the puppetry for Fallen Kingdom. He says that the, like the Indoraptor was sick or something. That's why it has like missing pieces of skin. I'm like, oh, oh, the DX virus. That's instantly mm-hmm. came in my head. There's no mention of it in, at all in the film. But it would have been great because it 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 explained the savagery of the of the raptors, you know, mm-hmm. and um, yeah. so yeah. and it's sort of yeah, and it it's one of those things where um, the whole DX tag and release and all that sort of stuff in the novel explains exactly why the animals are loose. Um, mm-hmm. We brought it up countless times where in the in the movie itself, you only get a bit of dialogue from Hammond, which a lot of it doesn't make sense and just sounds like it's he's saying that to sort of so Malcolm doesn't completely lose <laughs> lose it over the fact that there's another island and that like he's trying to break it to him um, yeah in a in a sort of he's sugarcoating it a lot where he he says like no nah, the um, hurricane comes so the animals were released and we had to evacuate well we clearly see from the worker village there's a fence around it you don't need a fence around a building there's no fences in the novel because um which is odd because they purposely released the animals there but uh yeah just having having the whole dx thing having an explanation why the animals were free set free and it would give you it would give you sort of something to go back to now um instead of having the dpg group and that saying well the spinosaur upset the ecosystem on the island or something and they they just started dying out or i haven't i haven't reread what they said there but just that whole that whole thing they sort of come up with why why the uh, what happened with sauna and animals there mm-hmm. well, I will add in another a third that I'd like to see is the, the interpretation of Howard King's death I just love how you only get to see it through the flashes of lightning so the people so the way that we see it is just uh, we see flashes flashes of the attack. We don't actually ever see the full attack. Mm. We just see the um, Howard King um, out in the middle of the grass. Then we see then another flash. We see the raptors closing in. Then another flash. We see the raptors feeding on them. You know? Huh. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I think that would be absolutely terrifying to see. Well, sort of, mm-hmm. you can compare it to um, how Rexy appears in Fallen Kingdom. Sort of same thing there, where you just get the flashes each time you flash. It's it's moved. Yeah. It's getting closer. Or yeah, that was really cool. <laughs> yeah. Fallen yeah. Kingdom does several um, ideas from the Lost World novel. The it idea does. of the uh, geotagging was also from the Lost World novel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then sort of some other things too, like the whole the whole thing on the high hide. Having the raptors mm-hmm. attack that, having having one of the trails survive, so it can act as a base of operations while they try and figure out how they're going to get off the island, and mm-hmm. um, it's sort of it's just the way the film was adapted 
them needing to go to the island to communicate with someone to come in, or to the worker village to communicate, whereas in the novel they were at the worker village or close by, and the helicopter hadn't come and tried come to pick them up yet. But yeah, I'm just trying to think. A lot of stuff's been sort of loosely adapted, like the Pteranodons. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Or not necessarily the Avery. That's why it's hard to decide. Like it's hard to. Yeah. Like, oh, wait, wait, even, what else? Even like Sarah and I don't know if it was Kelly or Art Arby. But mine was Kelly on the motorbike, sort of chasing with running with the Raptors. You sort of get similar to that with Owen. Yep. Running yep, beside I, the Raptors. That's definitely where they got that idea. Yep. I suppose too. I would have preferred the trailer sequence to go more along what happened in the novel, like the whole fact the trailer rolls, the accordion connectors squeezes shut. They're um. It's the power turning the lights on that sort of scare the Tyrannosaurs away. You get a bit more of an explanation of what's happening there. And then them having to climb up the undercarriage of the trailer to survive and not just hang by a rope. It would have made the scene a lot longer, I know, and they would have had to condense it, but just stuff like that just sort of fills in some holes. Yeah. You don't bring people halfway around the world to visit a zoo. You bring the zoo to them. San Diego is the perfect set. People already associate our beautiful city with animal attractions. San Diego Zoo, SeaWorld, San Diego Chargers. To end out, final thoughts on the film as a whole. Like we've we've covered a lot during the, the record. We've covered a lot during the minutes as well. Mm-hmm. I, I still, it's still my favourite film in the franchise. Um, Mine too. Ten out I'm, of ten gold blooms. <laughs> oh guys i get um i'm meeting him actually in two weeks oh well i'm going uh, to boston con he's gonna be yeah. there yeah he's gonna be there I, I that's the whole point of me going all the way to boston <laughs> nice. yeah oh, i'm gonna take fantastic. uh the kenner uh series two malcolm figure it's still yep. in, in in its box and everything. I'm a, I'm gonna get I'm a, hopefully, I don't think he'd be like no I don't want to sign that. But hopefully he signs it and th- then me and my friend and his girlfriend uh my my good friend DC villain his girlfriend Lori which was like my best friends uh they're big huge Jurassic nerds just like me we're all gonna do a photo op with Goldblum. So it's gonna be cool. Oh, good work man. <laughs> Enjoy it. But um get back to this uh. Yeah, same thing, man. It's still my favorite sequel. Um, yeah, I can honestly say it, and it it kind of teeter totters sometimes with Jurassic Park. Uh, I can most of the time Lost World is my favorite. Um, it's just it's just a film where it's not nostalgia goggles. How I always hear people say, "Oh, nostalgia goggles, why you like this film?" Or, no, I just I just do. Like mm. the the fact that like like I said earlier, guys, um having these animals kind of roam free, showing these animals were actually loving parents, showing uh they were throwing in science science ideas that were still very uh, there's still theories to this day, but in like that there were new fresh ideas where dinosaurs in the first one, they showed them like dinosaurs are fast, dinosaurs were this, dinosaurs are that. But then um, finding the Myasaura with the babies, with the eggs and nests that uh, Horner found, that was still new science at the time. We we always were thinking there were these cold-blooded creatures that just didn't care about their young. And then we found out for these creatures to roam 
and own the planet Earth as long as they did, they had to be nurturers and they had to care for their young to a certain age at least, uh, um, to a certain like mature level where these creatures could adapt. And if if they were if they were creatures where they just left their young kind of to fend for themselves really young, the the the, the percentage of survival rate for these animals wouldn't be great because there's mm. so many perils of like death in those in those days and whatnot in that animal kingdom animal kingdom was serious and ferocious and Mm -hmm. uh to have some of these mentions and theories thrown into this movie where we still we're still very new to the feather idea back then so i mean i feel if like the feather idea was already established we would have had feathered jurassic park dinosaurs when jurassic park came out Mm. but it was still very new so these animals still looked how science feel feels that they looked at that time. So it's just I was a big dinosaur nerd back then. I still am, but this is where I was like full on nerd. Jurassic Park started the obsession with the movies, but at the same time started my my paleontology type of quest because that's what I wanted to be. And I know that was a big thing with a lot of kids back then. Mm-hmm. paleontologist said what do you want to be when you grow up i want to be a paleontologist and a lot of adults laughed because there's no money in paleontology and yeah. you're never gonna get a girlfriend if you like dinosaurs and all that <laughs> stuff that was, yeah. uh, i can't tell you how many times m- being a jurassic park fan that was a thing uh, i remember when i was a teenager and i had jurassic park posters on my wall and this stuff my friends came over um and I was supposed to meet up with uh, with a date or something. And they were like, is she coming back here? I'm like, yeah, probably. They're like, dude, you got to take those posters down. <laughs> what? Oh, I'm like, hot. why? <laughs> They're like, dude, the, no girl's going to date you if you, like, dress park like that. Oh, and I mean, no it's just... <laughs> it's, it's harsh, man, but it's the truth. Like, when you're a, a dinosaur nerd that's, uh, for a long time, like, that's... that's things that they put in your head and i this movie came out you know when i was like that at the age almost turning teenager i think i was 11 12 you know around there so like i was going into that stage of teenager and it's still like this movie hit harder i feel than jurassic park jurassic park started and this one just solidified my love for this franchise completely i loved every aspect of this movie and i only Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> what dinosaur is that? That's a Ceratosaurus. <laughs> oh, quite, you, nice. quite. <laughs> Sounds cool. Like, um, so, you know, just... Uh, I, 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 I saw this movie once in the theater, and that's it. I've never seen it again in theater. I was still... I, I wasn't... I didn't go to theater like I do now that I can just go pay for myself. Back then, I didn't have... Like, I had, like, allowance money, but I, I didn't go to theater that much. And we went with my uncle on Memorial Day. We went on the premiere. So it had such an impact from one viewing that I couldn't wait till it came out on video. Mm-hmm. And when it did, I must like, I think my family tried to hide that videotape so many times because <laughs> it was always on the TV. Always on the TV. And I would have scenes paused on the TV. And back then with the VCR... It's not like now with Blu-ray, like it's such a clear scene. Boom, it's right there. Back then with VCR, you had those streamlines in front of the scene. 
you know, when you're like moving, rewind or forward, forwarding the tape, you have those lines. I said, I remember. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, you just have that on there and you're just like, I'd, I'd watch those scenes and then I'd build my own little like village parts and, and like, uh, I would draw scenes from the movie I didn't have a computer then, so I didn't have these like screen caps that I wanted. So it's like, I don't know, man. This, my thoughts of the as the on this film is just I absolutely love this film, and nothing in all these years and 20 years of this film has changed my mind. There's been three other sequels after this film, and they still don't even touch it, don't even go near it. Um, in the sense of like what they're bringing for the story and characters and all that, it just you know I mean if anything out of the three that we've seen in the last few years or the last like uh, 14 years I guess it'd be um, with Jurassic Park three, uh, Jurassic World and the Jurassic World two, uh, Fallen Kingdom, I think if anything Jurassic World was the one that got me a little emotional and uh. And uh, it, it it hit me a little harder than the other two. But other than that, Lost uh, Lost World is still number one. Yeah. Always. Yeah. I you know? I wasted can't oh, whole rolls of film standing in front of that VHS for Lost World taking photos on screen <laughs> because again VHS there's no there's no um, print screen or photos <laughs> all that stuff back then so. And just getting, being excited, going to the, and getting film developed, getting the film and the photos back, and just having the the flash taking a, a bright photo of the TV. Yeah. It's just a screen completely black. It's like, what? No. No. <laughs> that was 30 bucks. No. But it's even, so easy now. Just, yeah, as you said, like, even on the computers. Yeah, even like, because 97, I think we got our first computer, the old Pentium 2, and it just Microsoft Paint. And doing, have, being able to do straight lines and that, just the different versions of the operations building. I was doing in paint, um, <laughs> and just just stuff like that. Like it's all, it just consumed my life. Mm-hmm. I've done a, done a hundred and four pa- or hundred and ninety two page fanfic of doing my own little version of Lost World. Just sort of stuff like that. Just at school, having the novel around for me everywhere. The making of the Lost World carrying around for me everywhere. Just. Mm-hmm. It just yeah consumed my life like no other film has ever to this date. And one of my favorite books that they came out with there was the the Lost World uh, scrapbook. The, yep. the, the mm-hmm. I love that. It's still to this day like one of the best like film books. Like it has all the characters, has a bunch of like weird oh. dinosaur end of the world theories at the end. It was like aliens took them is one theory. I was like what. <laughs> And it had all these, like, it had all these facts and, like, movie facts and dinosaur facts. And it had, like, little dinosaur pictorials where it just talked about the certain dinosaur. And then it just had all these, like, pictures that you didn't see in the film. It has a huge map of Sorna with, like, a red, like, ink showing, like, that's where they're going to go. It's such a great book. And and what came out, like, the merchandise and, and just uh, everything that came out along with Lost World was just so great, mm. you know? They expanded on everything. The merchandising Good. campaign was phenomenal for the Lost World. Yeah, they were. I don't it think I've never seen anything quite equal to it since. Yeah. yeah. Mattel's so, trying, and they're doing a good job so far, but oh, <laughs> they've yeah. got a little way to go yet. Like, again, yeah. Explorers, uh, 
the um the engine round up vehicles, the uh, the M class and the RVs. Let's see what you can do there. Oh <laughs> the yeah. Dino- the dinosaur wise, like again, apart from they're not really having that um, latex or real feel skin apart from the Mosasaur. It's just it's just all fantastic stuff that's coming out at the moment. But yeah, yeah I forgot to ask you guys. Have you guys gotten the the Sukomimus? Yeah, yeah. No. No, it's it's I'm an incredible. It, it's definitely one of my favorites, man. I yeah. it's, it's on my desk right now. Like uh, you, if you guys get the chance to see it or able to just catch it online, get it. It is a fantastic figure. Mm-hmm. Very well done. It's so cool looking, and like it's just it's a lot. It, when you when you get it, it's a lot bigger than you thought it was. It's it's bigger than the Baryonyx. And it's smaller than than the T than the T Rex. Yeah, it's in between. It's actually it's probably bigger than the it's a it's a little bit bigger than the Carnotaurus. It's around the same size. Oh, right. God, I need to get that. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> Toy tangent. <laughs> Dave, yeah. Dave, final thoughts on the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, ten out of ten Malcolms. <laughs> 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 Um, seriously though, it's probably, it's pro- it is not probably, it is my favorite film in the franchise, and deservedly so, I mean, the f- atmosphere alone, I mean, people talk about atmosphere in a movie, and in Lost World, you can cut it with a knife, it's that thick, mm-hmm. you know, you probably need a machete to get through it, <laughs> <laughs> this film is very, is honestly one of my, is my Jurassic Park, I, well, I was born the same year as Jurassic Park was, so The Lost World was the first, my first real, not first introduction, but my first memorable introduction into the Jurassic Park franchise. It's the movie I remember growing up with. Yeah. And not to say Jurassic Park is bad, I probably watched both just as many times as I watched, but The Lost World is the movie that I always... I was fascinated with this. The movie I had the toys for It's the movie that I used to pretend I was uh, playing when I uh, was a little kid with my little Disney uh, bolt-action rifle. <laughs> uh, but it is The Lost World was a huge part of my childhood, and I'm I'm very happy that I got to review it one minute at a time with you guys. Hmm. Yeah, so it's I'm just glad after the 20th anniversary, like before that. It wasn't it wasn't discussed a lot. A lot of fans, or I won't say fans, but a lot of people sort of didn't see it as a very good film. And since that twenty first or the twentieth anniversary, a lot more fans have come forward. Mm-hmm. A lot more discussion about it. We got the podcast here in social media. You see a lot of people, and surprisingly, a lot of people when they do their rankings of the franchise, you see a lot that have Lost World at the top, which I'd definitely give them a like to support. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, it's just great to see, and I think as time goes on, especially once, or yeah, I'll say once we start getting some um, canner toys in the legacy line from the Lost World as well, um, right, you'll see a lot more people jumping on board and uh, and enjoying it a lot more too. We we need to get it back at least for like a day in theaters across America. Uh, yeah, know, that needs. To I know. Uh, yeah. I, oh well. And Australia too. <laughs> the world. Oh, it'll never happen. It'll never happen here. <laughs> because no. I know, I know across the pond in England, 
they had it in a as a special feature at one of their theaters. I know uh, the guys from Jurassic Outpost and a couple of guys from Jurassic Park um, podcast. They, they uh, some of them live in England in, a, yeah. in Europe, and they were able to catch it. And you know, I haven't seen it since I was, uh, like I said, 11, 12 years old. It's due time that I need to see it in in theaters again. Um, I went to, I never got to see Jurassic Park in theaters, so I got to go see the 3D release, yeah, which is yeah. excellent. Even though I'm not the biggest fan of 3D, but it was good to see it in the big screen finally and hear the T-Rex like roar, vibrate through the chair. Oh basically. yeah, just just the sound. Was, <laughs> oh my god, that was amazing. Yeah. But to to see Lost World again in, in on the big screen would be would just make if it was next year this year it'd make my entire year because it would just be one of the best things ever. I'd I'd go dressed up as Malcolm and buy a whole bunch of popcorn and <laughs> and just sit there and and try to see as many viewings of it as again because who knows when we'll see it again in theaters you know if it happens yeah so. Yeah. We have to. We it has to be brought up to. It's it's one of Spielberg's films. He he has to. We have to just start like hassling him for the next three years. <laughs> we do because, because you know it's it. I really hope that you know there's a lot of rumors where, and and we've kind of noticed it with the with the new world series. It's like it's it's not really retconned, but it's not like it's really mentioned. It's kind of like uh, let's kind of just leave. Uh, number two, number three, out of this a little bit. We'll, we'll we'll say they exist, but we won't really give them any recognition. And yeah. I don't like that, you know. Like Lost World is it, more than ever now. It's more important with with whatever's going on in Fallen Kingdom because we already seen what a rampage of dinosaurs through a city is, you know. So it's like yeah, it's it's like it's like having Malcolm back as well. Like oh, Malcolm's back. Malcolm's back. I wonder if he's going to be sassy like he was in Jurassic Park. Well, he was a he was a not a side character, but a um, part of an ensemble in Jurassic Park. Where the Lost World, he was, he was there. He was at the front. He was top build mm-hmm. and everything else. Like that was his um, his movie to c- control and sort of. And here, and like in Jurassic in Fallen Kingdom, he's sort of back like that. Malcolm again. He's not. They haven't just retconned it that he's back into that um, that cheery, lovable thing the person we've seen oh. in Jurassic Park he's still experiencing like again we, we don't know how much he petitioned or any of his thoughts on the fact that Jurassic World exists we can sort of mm-hmm. going off what we've seen of him previously we can sort of assume right well he's definitely not going to be on board with it um, whether he's just waiting in the background to come out and say I told you so or <laughs> or that mm-hmm. line that never even turned up in the film well here we are talking about dinosaurs again <laughs> Like, yeah, exactly. It was in the trailer, but it was never in the film. So, I'm wondering if he made more than one book, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, because uh, the book that we see in Jurassic World, I think, is his first book because on the book jacket, it's the Malcolm from '97. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's probably the first book. But let's say he made another book and just on on when Jurassic World started, and just completely against it, and you know, we don't know or lectures or something. You know he wasn't going to keep his mouth shut about Jurassic Park if they made Jurassic World. Yeah. You know. Well, yeah, and sort of Eric alludes to it when he's with Grant in the in the water tanker on in Jurassic Park Three. It's sort of we know Grant had a book before Jurassic mm-hmm. Park, as Tim mentions it, um, and then sort of um, Eric says to Grant, "I've read your book," um, and sort of 
you, you liked dinosaurs back then, and he said, well, back then they hadn't tried to eat me yet, which sort of implies that he wrote another one after the after that he... Maybe Grant and Ian both wrote books post-Jurassic Park, um, and maybe even post-Lost World, but... Yeah, it's sort of, it's just one of those things, it's funny to sort of find out where, where or what actually happened in canon there, it's not really explained ever, but... Mm. Um, anyway, <laughs> we've just hit three hours. <laughs> we need to stop. Um, <laughs> any, any, any any final thoughts on, um, I suppose, any any last things you want to mention about the film before we get out of here for the week? Yeah, I, um, I will say that after Jurassic Park 3D in 2013, I had hoped for um, at least The Lost World to have gotten yeah. a release as well. Yep. That has not been. But... I have yet to see the Blu-ray version, but from what I've seen, it's immaculately been cleaned up, and I gotta get my hands on it. Even if I can't view it in pure uh, 4K, I gotta get my hands on it. Yeah, that's one of those things. Like I brought the um, the free pack, the trilogy, when it was released on Blu-ray. It's still on me on my shelf in the in the in the wrapping in the foil, but. It's sort of, I just, I've got the DVDs and I've got a copy burnt off the DVDs on my iPad that I always watch, and it's sort of, you always got that lower quality because, frankly, I don't understand why you'd buy a HD movie on a mobile device to start with and pay that extra money, but just the fact the Blu-rays are sitting there and I've never sat down and watched any of the films on Blu-ray, <laughs> so... Oh, you got to, man. Yeah, I'm uh, going yeah, to make that, I'm going to make that a purpose. <laughs> the sound quality is excellent, the picture quality is excellent. Mm-hmm. There, it's it's a great experience. Yeah, you'll hear things you've never heard before. Yeah, and not only that, you also to buy it for uh, the the special features that whole uh, Back to Jurassic special feature that they have. Not mm-hmm. the making of Lost World; it's on there too. But they did a whole other one where they sat with the actors and and Spielberg and and they're talking back about like going back to Jurassic Park, and they go from Jurassic Park to Lost World to Jurassic Park 3, okay. and it's great. It's, oh, that, yeah. that, that it's, featurette is phenomenal. So great. It's, it's my favorite featurette, Jurassic Park mm-hmm. featurette that I've ever gotten. I've got it actually twice. I've got it both the Blu-ray version and the DVD version. So, mm-hmm. I can watch the DVD version of the special features on my computer and screen cap the crap out of it. And watch, and then watch the movies on Blu-ray on my Blu-ray player. Yeah, it's right. great. It's, my afternoon's yeah. made up for me then. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, man. And you know, it's another cool featurette that uh, it's it's not on DVD though, and it's not on Blu-ray. Um, it's still on VHS, but you can get it for like probably uh, I don't know, like a dollar now on eBay. Um, it's uh, making uh. Hold up a second. The real Jurassic Park. Oh, yeah. That's one. It, you can find that on YouTube, I think. Can you? I think so, yeah. Oh, awesome. Yeah, because I have, I have the, the VHS of it. And um, I got it a long time ago. So I was like, what is this? Well, whatever. It's I'll a, get it. It was... It came... Because, you know, back in the day when you used to order something from eBay, you'd get... You can buy something like like a whole pack of stuff for like under nothing now you can only get like one item mm. but like it was it was in with a couple of other 
things of Jurassic Park, and I'm like, what is this? And it was still in like uh, it's it's a wrap or whatever, the plastic wrap. Yep. I took it out and I watched. It. I put it in an old VHS and awesome documentary. Yes, it's dated. It's old because it's like from 1993, and it's like they're talking about dinosaurs. Then it's like Jack Horner. You got Robert Backer on there. You got uh, them explaining how Jurassic Park would really happen. They go to San Diego Zoo, which is pretty funny that they actually go to that zoo. <laughs> um, it's so great, it, uh, and it's it's not Jurassic Park, but it is Jurassic Park related because it's mm-hmm. a Nova special. Yeah. Yeah, but that's it's sort of so one thing you you sit there and say like it's it doesn't it's outdated and that but you think it's them it's like it's it's set there like it's there it's them recording it's them talking about what they know then at that time if, yeah if you if you if they made a, a behind the scenes now it'd be Spielberg and that talking about what they remember from them from back then it's sort of it'd, mm-hmm. it'd be different whereas they're talking about theories and that they're just coming up with now and not having another 20 years of knowledge on top of it. They're talking about all that stuff there where now it'd be sort of bogged down and you'd probably have a little bit more um, fluff in there as well. well. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. So like those are two, uh, good suggestions right there. Watch the Blu-rays, watch that documentary on YouTube. Yep. You know, let me Actually, might, I was uh, looking for it as might, I was just talking. You're right, might, Dave. It's on. It's on. Sorry, it's on oh, YouTube. So you can nice. see it. Yeah. All right. We we might chat about that a little bit next week. I might go and have a look at it. Yeah. So that's that's us done. Um. It's gonna be yeah. Get these out this week. Um. Yeah. And then next week we'll probably just do a record. We might um think of a discussion topic about the film, and uh, see see what we come up with next week. Get some feedback from the fans on the Facebook page as well, so keep an eye on that. Um, Jay, thank you very much for joining us for this uh, mm-hmm, later half of, of the film. It's been great having you on, having that third perspective from a fan. So thanks a lot for that. Thank you, David. You're welcome. Half an hour from now, John Hammond's dream reimagined will come true. For one one hundredth the cost of building a destination resort thousands of miles away, I believe I've spent enough time in the company of death. All right, guys. Let's get the hell out of here. What's everybody looking for? Tonight, we'll christen Jurassic Park San Diego with a mega attraction that can't start on the spot of anything in the park. St. Davies, do you think that your research station, this was where we did the real work? What do you think you were going to document? What do you think you were going to see? It is absolutely imperative that we work with the Costa Rican Department of Biological Preserves to establish a set of rules for the preservation and isolation of that island. These creatures require our absence to survive, not our help. And if we could only step aside and trust in nature, Life 